All right, well, let's take our Bibles tonight and go to 1 John in chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 John and chapter number 4. Thought I'd grab my Bible. That'll probably help things here a little bit. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to really be looking at chapter 5, but it's been a little while since we've been in 1 John with different events going on and some of the travel uh, for camps and things. So we're just going to do some review as we get into back into it. So let's begin in 1 John 4 and verse number 16, and then we're going to read through chapter 5 and uh, verse number 5. Okay, so that'll be our passage tonight is, is 1 John uh, 5, 1 through 5. All right, uh, so 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. Weren't you thankful for that? Somebody said that this passage is really stacked with an emphasis on God's love, and it's going to be very evident as we keep reading here. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love, but perfect love rather, casteth out fear because fear hath torment. I believe it'll help us to review some of that, don't you tonight? Fear hath torment. It's not God's will that you would stand in jeopardy about your salvation. No, that can be a settled matter and should be. Fear hath torment, but, or sorry, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. What do you think John thinks about that? Pretty clear, isn't it? He's a liar. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. All right, let's go back and read that verse again. Ready? Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Verse two. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. I hope it wasn't a real burden for you to be here tonight. If so, bless your heart. 
so hard. No, his commandments are not grievous if we're looking at it right. And here's why, actually, verse number four answers that. So many times, verse four, we kind of take it isolated, but it's connected to verse three. For what for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So there's a parallel thought there from verse 1. Whoso believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Verse number 5, he says, Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's born of God. So there's, there's bookends right there. So we're going to look what is in between. All right. So here's the title tonight. Love people, love God. Okay. Love people, love God. Do you love others enough to stay close to God? Do you love others enough to stay close to God? May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You may be seated. Love people, love God. Okay, so um, probably traveling around Oklahoma City or wherever, you most likely see a sign on a marquee, love God, love people, right? You see it that way? Love God, love people. How many of you have seen that? Love God, love people, love God, love people. It's kind of a, a trendy thing. And, um, and really, I mean, it's Bible. It's Bible. Okay, we've been looking at it. All first John. If you love God, you'll love people. If you say you love God and you don't love people, you're a liar. All right. So if you love God, you love people. It's very true. I mean, it's, it's very much like our motto here, honoring God, helping people. If we honor God, then it'll be a help to people. If we honor God, we want to be a help to people. You see how it works? I mean, it really does work that way. But it's interesting here in 1 John, John turns that around. And he says it this way, love people, love God. If you love people, you need to love God. And it's interesting. I had never really paid close attention to it. We're going to pay, give most of our time and attention to verses uh, 1 through 3. And verse 4 and 5 are really the power that make that possible. But if you, if you love people, you love God. It's a little reversed. Okay, is that making sense? Is that reversed in your minds? Um, if you love people, then you love God. It's, it's almost, in fact, you could even draw, I wrote it in my notes this way, almost like a diagram, like a circle. Love God, arrow down, love people. Love people, love God. You follow it? Okay. Love God, love people, love people, love God. You want to start at the bottom? Love people, love God, love God, love people. It works both ways. All right. It goes either way. It's a, it's, it's really hinging on, on one another. So if we love God, then we're going to love people. If we love people, we're going to love God. Do you love people enough to love God? Do you love your kids enough to love God? Do you love your spouse enough to love God? Do you love your family enough to love God? Do you love your church family enough to love God? Do you love the bus route enough to love God? Are you following what I'm doing right here at the very beginning? I mean, it's really, it's what John is getting to here. It's another evidence. And so let's back up though. Let's just not get too hasty here and get out of church too early. Um, 
You need to have a right standing before God. You, you can know for sure that you are saved. That's, a, that's very much what the last part of chapter four is dealing with. And, and keeping it, the whole thing in context, if you recall, then he's been dealing with those that, that have left the church and really they are criticizing those that are still in the church. And they're belittling them and, and even trying to cause them to doubt uh, their relationship with God, almost setting themselves up as superiors, as though they had a closer relationship with God. They said they love God. But listen, listen, uh, uh, church here tonight, obviously it can be true of us as well. You can say you're lo you love God and yet not really love God. I mean, they said they love God and yet they also were involved in sin, John, 1 John chapter 1. They said they love God and yet they're walking in darkness. They said they love God. Are you following what I'm doing right here? I'm just walking through 1 John. They said they love God and yet they denied the deity of Jesus Christ or the humanity of Jesus Christ or both. So how can you say that you love God and yet you're off doctrinally and and, and so that's what John is dealing with. They're saying they're making this big claim. And, and not only are they making that big claim, but they're also really hating on, if you'd allow me to say it that way, they're, they're hating on John and they're hating on the church there. And really, if you're, if you're crossways with John, the beloved apostle, something must be wrong with you. I'm not saying that John's got it all together either. I'm no more than you and I do. I mean, I realize uh, tonight that he's a man, but really think about it. Here's somebody that had such an impact in their life that had really invested in them and even shared the gospel with them. How could they get crossways with somebody who's done so much for them? That's a red flag. That's a red flag. And, and so something must be wrong in the heart if you're not right with somebody like a John in your life. I'm just tossing that out there because... You know, if, if you get crossways with a spiritual minded believer, then who's the problem with? Okay, I, I'm just I'm just tossing that out as something to think about. And and so that's what's going on here. Well, John is indicating there's something wrong in their life, and it wasn't ever wrong there. And and so they were causing question and consternation in the lives of these believers that were there in Asia Minor. And so John is writing to them, listen, perfect love, cast out fear. If you're looking forward to a day, there's no need to dread it. If you're looking forward to a day, there's no need to dread it. Remember, uh, we talked about, you know, if you're looking forward to your, your wedding day, you look for your wedding day, you don't, you might be, amen, come on now, right there. Okay, Brother Joe, how many days, brother? One day, one point. Okay, so we've been on a countdown together. So that, that's uh, been a good little while we've been counting this down. So now nervousness is one thing. I mean, you, you get nervous about getting married, you should. If you're in your right mind, you're probably nervous, right? But to dread it, you know, for us to say, how many days, brother? And he says, one day and I think I'm gonna run. Something's up. Something's up, you know, I mean, that's not good. So John is saying, listen, you've got a day to look forward to. And that day is called the day of judgment. You say, how in the world can you look forward to the day of judgment? Well, you can if you know that he loves you. And you can if you know that he's justified you, that you are saved. And the word justified means that as he is, so are you in this world. That's in our verses. As he is, so are you in this world. And that doesn't mean 
That doesn't mean that my body is like his body on this world because I'm still in flesh and blood and he, was, he is not currently. Uh, it does not mean that my character is like his character because I still got a lot of growing here to do. Anybody else got a lot of growing here to do? But I believe what the text is communicating is simply this, is that as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, it's pointing to the doctrine of the atonement of Jesus Christ that he shed his blood for us. And thus, based on the atonement, you can be justified, cleansed. The righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account so that as he is, so are you in this world. In other words, you can know right now that you're on your way to heaven. You don't have to fear the day that you stand before him. The judgment seat of Christ, now the great white throne is something to fear. If you're here tonight and you don't know him as your savior, then you need to fear and you need to let that fear motivate you to trust him as your savior. But if you are saved, there's really no need for us to fear standing before him. Now, we might be nervous about the way that we're going to die. We might be nervous about all those details. I totally get that, don't you? But to be dreading the day that you stand before the Lord, if you're dreading that day, like if you dreaded your wedding day, something's wrong. Okay, so that's what John is communicating. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in judgment. You don't have to worry and fret and be concerned. No, because you know that he loves you and you know that he forgave you. You can stand there knowing I'm in Jesus Christ and he's in me and I don't have anything to fear. Now, everybody here needs to have that settled in your heart and mind that yes, I know that I am saved. My soul, what a blessing. We don't have to wonder about that. There's no fear in love. That's what John is saying. There's no fear in love. And what he's also saying, he's also saying that if you are in Christ, there ought to be a difference in your life. And if there's not some fruit that's showing in your life, something's wrong there. Either you're not truly born again, which is of grave concern, or you're not in right fellowship with God, which is also of grave concern. Okay, and so that's what he's dealing with here. So along the way, he's dealt with obedience and he's dealt with truth and he's dealt with love and he's dealt with righteousness. I mean, these are major themes of the Bible. And so he's saying uh, to them that, listen, if you are in Christ, then you will love those that he loves. So he's countering those false believers who claim to love God and yet they hated John. It doesn't match. It doesn't work out right. Now, let's be honest here. I understand that we may struggle with loving another believer. But if you struggle with loving all believers, something's definitely wrong. Right? Now, we're, it's going to be challenging for all of us. And that's why 1 John 5 goes on to say that whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is, watch this, now we're in our text. Did you feel the transition right there? We're into the sermon tonight. So whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Listen, you can't be saved without believing that he's the Messiah. You, you can't be saved without believing who he is. You got to believe he's the son of God. You got to believe that he is the Messiah. And so John says this. He says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is, watch this, born of God. That born of God changes everything. Because now he lives within you. You're in him. That's eternal security. The Spirit of God lives within you to enable you to do the Christian life. Okay. 
But it all begins with identifying who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, that whosoever is uh, believing that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Okay, now let's go on to the, the second part of the verse here. And let me look at it and make sure that I'm quoting it right. I've been working on memorizing it all day and it's not coming back to me. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is what? Begotten of him. Okay, everyone that loveth him that begat. Okay, let's stop there. What, what's that saying? Everyone that loveth him that begat. The one that begat, everyone that loveth him that begat. Begat means is their father, fathered them. Everyone that loveth the father, can I say it that way? Everyone, everyone, everybody looking at it? <laughs> everyone that loveth him that begat. Now that's talking about the father right there. Everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, I mean, obviously, if you love the Father, you love the Son of God. Okay, now that's a given. But that's not who he's talking about here. Now, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But in this context, what he's talking about is that if you love the Father, watch this, you love his children. I mean, John, John's been saying this all epistle long. So if you've kind of gotten weary of that, you've had a rough journey. Because I mean, it is a major thing that look, if you love him, then you love them. Okay, so he that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Okay, watch this. If you love, if you love an individual and they have children, you also love their children. Okay, if you love, if you love the dad, you love the father, you love the kids. You love the mom, you love the kids. You say, no, the kids are hard to love. Okay, don't go there. You're messing up the illustration. So, but if you love the father, you love the kids. All right, look, I would go to uh, BGMU, the Bowling Green Municipal Utilities. And that's where my dad worked for many, many years in Bowling Green, Kentucky as a lineman. And I'm telling you, names like John White and Hulk and, and other names like that, lineman names, they're like household names to us, to me and my brother. Those who love my father, who love my dad, they love me. And I'd walk into that break room and they treat me like one of them. You know, like, I mean, the love, they loved on me. You know why they loved on me? Because they love my dad. They love my dad because my dad trained many of them. I remember John White saying to me, hey, listen, your dad was old school lineman. He did not cut corners. He made us do it the hard way. And I'm here today because he did. He loved me because he loved my dad. I could go across, uh, across the way to the social security office where my mom worked for many, many years and names like Eva D <laughs> and Joy Mahaney <laughs> and different ones like that. They are household names in my family. And they love me. It's almost like my aunts and they're no blood kin. But they love me because they love my mom. Okay, because if you love him that begat, you love him that is begotten of him. Okay, and so then watch this now. John is getting at this. If we be brethren, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ in here, and we have the same father, we need to love one another. Okay? Because he that if you love him that begets you, then you ought to love the ones that are begotten of him. I love my brothers. I had two, I have two brothers. One of them's in heaven, Lonnie Ray. Okay, in Kentucky, you go by two names pretty much. Lonnie Ray. 
Lonnie, I love, I love Lonnie Ray. Lonnie Ray fought in Vietnam. Lonnie Ray's in heaven now. But, but Lonnie Ray, I mean, he had such a good turn to him. And, and in a lot of ways, he was a lot like my dad. I just love being around my brother. But I love my brother because I love my dad too. Is this making sense? I mean, I love my brother for who my brother was. But I really, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's an extra endearment because he's my brother, but he's from, uh, he's from my dad. <laughs> We're brothers. And then me and my brother, John Payton. Now, as he got older, he went by John. But forever in my heart and mind, he'll be John Payton. Gaddis, in case you're wondering. Yeah, two names. Come on now, I'm trying to help you with Southern life. Okay. So Lonnie Ray and John Payton. And then I got three sisters, half sisters. Okay, so my dad's first wife passed away with cancer and, and, um, and left him with... Uh, Four kids raised during the 1960s anyway. So I had Lonnie Ray and, and then Carolyn and Terry, Terry and then Leah Gay. So those are my three sisters. And I love them. I'm endeared to them largely because they were my, my dad's kids. So if you love him that begat, then you love them that are begotten of him. Hey, listen, folks, you and I, if you're saved tonight, you're saved by the same heavenly father. And it does not matter your background. It doesn't matter what you're saved out of because we're all saved out of the same stuff. And if you love him that begat, then you ought to love the ones that he begat. <laughs> Us. So that's what that verse is saying. And, and then he goes on to say this, by this we know that we love the children of God. So that's really his main theme at this point is that we love the children of God. Uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we, when we love God and keep his commandments. We know that we love his children when you love him and keep his commandments. So that indicates to us that if I'm going to love Brother Brandon the way that I should, then I got to love God the way that I should. Amen. And I can't really love him as my brother in Christ if I'm not loving him the way that I ought to. Is this making sense? Okay. So he says, by this we know that you love the children of God if you love God. Now that's the reverse. We've already covered that. But he's saying, you know, if you love God, then it's going to be evident because you love his, his children. But now he's saying, if you love his children, it's evidence that you love him and you keep his commandments. In fact, if you love others and you love them enough, then you recognize I love them so much that I've got to stay close to him, the father. Do you, and I, I want to get to that here in just a few moments, but do you love your family enough? Do you love your church family enough to make sure that you, listen, listen very, very carefully, young people here tonight and adults alike, if we really love our church family, then we need to purposefully and intentionally and fervently and with passion make sure that we are loving God because if we fall out of love with God, so to speak, if we don't love God the way that we should, guess what happens? We don't love one another the way that we should. Well, how do you love God? He says it in the text. You keep his commandments. Okay, look at, look at the next part of it now. We're moving right ahead here. When we love God, we, when we love God, verse number two, and keep his commandments. For this is, verse three now, this is the love of God. That means God is the object of our love. It's not talking about God's love for us right here. Everybody follow me? Okay, he says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. You can't say you love God and break his commandments. 
Because in the moment that you're breaking his commandments, you're loving you. You're not loving him. But watch what happens. If I love God and you love God the way that we should, then we will naturally love one another the right way. Because if I love God, I'll keep his commandment about telling the truth and not lying. And if I don't lie, then I won't hurt you. But if I love myself so much that I want to hide something and I lie about it, then I'm not loving God and I'm not loving you. If you, if you don't love God the way that you ought to love God and keep his commandments, and he said, you know, that you shouldn't gossip, then you'll gossip and your gossip will hurt somebody. And you're not loving your brothers. You're not loving your sister. You say, yeah, but they had it coming. Do you know what they did? Wait a minute, go back to your love for God. What would love for God dictate that you do in that instance? How should you handle that out of love for God and love for them? Do you love your brother or sister enough not to gossip about them because you love God so much that you want to keep his commandments? I'm telling you, this all just works together. It's wonderful. And, and, his commandments are not grievous. It's not burdensome. It's not heavy. It's not like somebody said, okay, I want you to come and pick up that piano and carry it to the other side. Can you imagine? I mean, even just strapping into this thing and trying to pull it. But that's how sometimes we treat the commandments of God. Man, this is so hard, the Christian life. Okay, why, why does it seem so hard? Why does modesty seem so hard for believers? Or why does even church attendance seem so hard? Or giving maybe seem so hard? Or forgiving somebody seems so hard? Well, either you're not saved, and that's why it's hard. Or, like with the Pharisees, they added to the law or commandments of God, and they made grievous burdens to be born. That's the same word. So it could be that somebody is burdened down because you're trying to obey man's commandments rather than God's. Or you're trying to do it in your own power. But John says right here, the commandment of God is not, the commandments of God are not grievous. And obviously the commandment in the context is loving one another. And there's a lot of application to that and what it looks like. Okay. So the commandment of, let me go back to it. Look at the last part of verse number three. His commandments are not grievous. They're not oppressive. That's another word I found in the study today. They're not oppressive burdensome, heavier than you can carry. Why? Verse four. For whosoever, or whatsoever rather, is born of God, what? Overcometh the world. So, so what he's saying right here is, listen, in your own power, this will be grievous. This will be burdensome. This will weigh you down. But whatsoever is born of God overcometh. And actually the word is nikao, which is the word from which we get Nike. Nike, victory. So whosoever is born of God overcomes, prevails over the world that opposes God and God's commandments and God's way of life. But whosoever is born of God, oh, listen, you have within you a person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God who will enable you to love and forgive and do all that God wants you to do. It is not up to you or me to do this. We've got to cooperate there, but it's the power of God that works in us. That's why we had to be born again. 
So he says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our what? Faith. Faith in who? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he answers it in the very next verse. I'm telling you, all this is really just built right together. I mean, it's like it's inspired. It is. Look how this is built and how it's connected. So even our faith, and it's, it's not just a blank statement there. No, in the context of it, he then says, who is he that overcometh the world? Hey, let me ask you something here before we move on. Do you have trouble with the world? Do you have trouble with those influences that, that would work against you obeying the commandments of God? And do you have trouble with the, the enemy of God? Do you have trouble with your own flesh? So who is he that overcometh all those things? Look at the next part in verse number five. But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. John is saying, listen, you have all sufficiency in the person of Jesus Christ to love one another and to obey his commandments and to do what he wants you to do within the family of God and even outside the family of God. But listen, you, you've got to, listen, you've got to love one another enough that you come before God and you say to God, God, I need to love you more because I'm having a hard time loving, I didn't mean to point, I'm having a hard time loving him or I'm having a hard time loving her. I'm having a hard time forgiving them. I'm having a hard time dealing with this. Everything in me wants to expose everything about them. And I know that wasn't be right. So here's what you do. You go tap into a power that's greater than yours. You go tap into the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who lives within you to enable you to do what he wants you to do. There's no deficiency of his power and strength. You're not going to drain his power. We were thinking about this a few years ago with my cell phone. How silly would it be to think, you know, one of these plugs around here that, that we could use, you know, to charge a cell phone. How silly would it be to say, you know, I don't think I'm going to plug my phone in there because if I do, it could drain all the power out of it. Have you seen those big turbines going down I-40? Ready to get in some wind power or the hydropower or whatever other power or source? Your puny little cell phone is not going to drain the power out of that source. And your life and your situation is not going to drain Jesus of his wisdom. And it's not going to drain him of his love. Your, your kind of love will run out. But his love won't run out. And your power and your ability will run out. But his won't run out. And you'll get faint and get weary. We get faint and we get weary. But he won't run out for him. What we need to do is like what Paul said. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that Paul didn't say, Timothy, be strong, son. Come on. Suck it up. Get with it. Quit whining. Now that could have helped Timothy, no doubt, but could help any of us. Quit complaining. No, that would have helped as well. But notice what he said. Be strong, son. Be strong. But he didn't stop there. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. They overcame him, Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Nay, in all things we are more. Listen, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We just got to get closer to the source. And thus, I'm asking you tonight, do you love people enough to stay close to God? Do you love people enough to love him? Because out of love for him, you'll be enabled to love others. 
But without him, your love runs out, falters and fails. You won't keep his commandments without his help. Do you love others enough to love the Lord more? Do you love others enough? Uh, can I remind you tonight? Your spouse needs you. Okay, well, that's, that'll preach for a little while too, won't it? Just that. Your spouse needs you, but let me finish it. Your spouse needs you to love God. Your wife needs you, sir, to love God. Because without him, you won't love her. And loving her ought not be grievous. And I'm not saying it's her fault. <laughs> Burdensome, no. Or vice versa. Dear lady, you're to love your husband. But to love your husband, you've got to love God. And that commandment about respect is not grievous. You say, yeah, but he's made it that way. We're looking at it wrong, aren't we? What, what if I said this? I had to go on a two-week trip with my wife for our anniversary. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Don't say that, Jay. When you get married, no. And I had to go. No, it wasn't grievous to go. I was glad to go. We're looking forward to going again. Are you following me? It's not grievous. It's not grievous. What if I said, you know, um, she wrote a love letter to me. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to, I'm illustration right here. She writes a love letter. What if I said, oh man, I got to read through this thing. I'm only going to read a little bit of it at a time. I'm going to split it up. Huh? Well, if I had that attitude about a love letter she wrote to me. Something's wrong right there. Hey, can I tell you something? God wrote you a love letter. And you ought, to, you ought not look like it, look at it like it's an academic assignment. You ought not look like it, oh man, I got to read the handbook again. Many schools getting started. You got, no, 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 no. <laughs> you need to help there too, but you shouldn't look at it. No, this, this is God's love written to you and it shouldn't be grievous like, oh man, I got to read the Bible again this morning. No, it ought to be this way. Thank God I get to read the Bible again this morning. I need to read the Bible again this morning. I need to be with him in prayer. I need to be close to him because I got a lot of people that I need to love. You got a lot of people that you need to love and you can't do it on your own. If we're a church full of people that has no time with him, it won't be no time till we mess up this church. But if we're a church full of people who are growing in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and drawing closer to him every day, then we'll come in here and we'll sing together and we'll encourage one another and say an encouraging word to one another and, and try to lift up one another rather than put down one another. Oh, my soul, just loving the Lord helps us so much to love one another. Amen. That's what John is saying. Do you love people enough to love God? I was surprised when I found that. Because I always had it the other way around. If I love God, I'll love people. But I need to love, is this, you got it. Do you love your brother or sister enough to love God so that you can in turn love them? Amen. Or do you love yourself so much that it, it doesn't really matter what God has said and, and you're going to do what you want to do 
Okay, let me try to make it even a little bit more practical here. Do you love God enough to stop listening to the wrong kind of music that you've been listening to? You say, hey, look, it's not hurting anybody but myself. It's hurting yourself. <laughs> Do you hear what you just said? You say, you put words in my mouth. I didn't mean that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. That music is having an impact on your attitude. It will. Or whatever you're watching or whatever you're, the social media that's coming into your life that you're liking or that you're, that you're uh, following. Hey, it, it has an impact on your life. Do you love, do you love others enough? Uh, sir, do you love your family enough to say, we're not going to watch that because we love God? Uh, there it is. We're not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to that because it has a negative impact on me and it'll have a ne negative impact on my kids. And, and I'm telling you, this is where this thing just gets off, off the rails. It's because out of, a lack of love for, out of a lack of love for God, we slip on his commandments and slipping on his commandments, we offend others that could be walking with him because we're self-centered rather than loving God. I don't know of any other way to, to discern that. So I'm just asking on the positive side, will you love God enough? Sorry. Will you love others enough to love God enough to do what's best for them? Well, that removes me out of the whole picture. You got it. Because it's not about us. It's about him receiving honor and glory. And when people see us, they ought to think of him. So I need to love him enough that I'm loving you in the right way and you need to do the same. Love people. Love God. Do you love people enough to stay in love with God? Which means you've got to keep yourself in the love of God. That's the book of Jude. It's our responsibility. It's not my wife's responsibility to make sure that I love God or vice versa. Young people, all, we, all summer long, God's really dealt with you about you know, your life and, and it's not your parents' responsibility to make sure you love God. I think they're doing a lot to try to help you, but you gotta, you gotta love God yourself. Your Bible is not gonna levitate Every morning. No. You got to go over and pick it up. And open it. Not because you have to. But because you get to. Father, thank you tonight. For a passage like this along the way that will just help us get aligned. Calls us to think. About how we're loving one another. Those that are begotten of you. And then I think about beyond that, those that are not, those that are lost, they need us to love you, that we might love them. Dear Lord, would you help us to draw closer to you for your honor and your sake? that in turn 
will help us to love others. So please help us in that regard, dear God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.